back, I believe the beginning of August, somewhere in there, and we're starting chapter number two today, and we'll be on these first couple verses for the next two weeks, I think, we'll see what happens, and uh, when Caroline and I were dating, we were probably dating about three or four months, and uh, I flew her out to California for a little trip to meet my family and all of that. One of the things, Caroline was one of those, she doesn't do it as much anymore, but she used to be one of those that would figure out, if you watched a movie, she would figure out what happens and tell you what happens before the movie finishes. Just a little bit, she could figure it out. She did a pretty good job with that. So I, there was this one movie, and this movie, I don't mention movies a lot when I preach, and I didn't go back and watch this movie and make sure, I believe that it was a decent movie, and, uh, but we watched it, but the idea in the movie fits with the message today. Movie was, I figured I would get her with a movie where she could not figure out the ending. And it was The Sixth Sense. I don't know if anybody ever saw that. And The Sixth Sense in that movie, what happened was a little boy appeared to be suffering from some mental disorder. And to come to find out, he was seeing ghosts. He didn't realize in different things. Well, the problem with the ghosts that this little boy saw, they didn't realize that they were ghosts. They thought that they were just regular people going through life and all of that. And uh, the boy encounters a child psychologist who attempts to help the little boy with his problems. And the psychologist doesn't realize the fact that he's dead. And the climactic moment in the movies when the little boy says, I see dead people. And then he realized he was dead. The psychiatrist did. We look at that, and there are many people in this world today who walk around breathe, talk, enjoy this life, and they're dead, and they don't even realize it. That's what the Bible's talking about in this passage of Scripture here this morning. Our world's fascinated with death. They make movies about zombies and ghosts and all these different things, and just for the record, I don't believe in zombies or ghosts. I believe that once someone passes, there's one of two places that we go. You either go be with the Lord or you're in hell. There's one of two things. That's what the Bible teaches. People don't come back and praise God. There's no such thing as real zombies. So I would not like my, they would have a feast if they got to eat on me. And I praise God that that's not true. So that's a good thing. And uh, you don't have to worry about calling Ghostbusters because you don't really need them either. The reason I mention this, and as I look around and as I talk, before salvation, we're all dead. It's a very simple fact that the Bible talks about right here. Many Christians don't get our, really and understand our condition before salvation. The Bible is very clear about it in this passage of Scripture, and that's what we're going to talk about. This passage details the desperate condition of the lost sinner. It, reminds the, it also reminds the redeemed child of God of what they were before God saved them by His grace. Chapter 1 that we just finished up two weeks ago, Paul reminds us of our riches in Christ. He told us how God came to us, saved us by His grace, adopted us into His family. And Paul reminds us that the, about the salvation that we enjoy so much. Then in this passage of Scripture here, chapter number 2, we see who we were before we met Jesus Christ. This passage of Scripture shows us our helpless, hopeless condition before salvation. And this passage exposes the devastating results of sin and what sin really does to a life. I want to take these verses 
And I want to look at this passage today and see what the Bible has to say, our condition before salvation. And maybe there's someone here this morning, and I know in this service, most of you are a normal crowd that are here. You come here week after week, you're here. But I want you to understand something this morning. Make sure you're saved. Say, Pastor, you think one of us could not be saved? Jesus had 12 disciples. The perfect leader, the perfect teacher, and one of them was not saved. It's possible. Make sure you know you're saved. I'm not trying to get you to doubt if you're saved. Because if you're saved this morning, last service, we had two raise their hand. One young man trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior in last service. I say young man, he's probably 25 or 30. He's a little younger than me. But he trusted Christ as his Savior. And then there was a lady that was unsure of some things. And I showed her from the Bible that you can never lose your salvation. She just needs some assurance of it. Once you're saved, you're always saved. And nothing and no one can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. But the true question is, are you truly saved? That is important. We see our condition before salvation. We'll dive into the message today. We see, number one, before salvation, we are dead. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says the phrase right at the beginning here, and you hath he quickened. You see, this reference here is to the Ephesian believers, and Paul's writing to them to remind them of their place in Jesus Christ in chapter 1, but then he tells us here, and you hath he quickened. It's Jesus, it's God that has made you alive. But before you were alive, you were dead. How does that happen? You go back to the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve are there. God told Adam, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The day you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. Satan comes along in the form of a serpent and says, did God really say not to eat of that tree? Eve talks with him for a little bit. And he says, you, won't, you surely won't die. Satan always tries to go against God and what God has to say. Adam and Eve ate of the fruit that day, and that day... Did they physically die at that moment? No. Did their body start aging? Yes. And death had entered into the picture. But spiritually, that moment, Adam and Eve died. They're spiritually dead. And every man, every woman that enters into this world, since Adam and Eve, enters into this world spiritually dead. The one exception is Jesus Christ, because he's perfect. And he was not born of the bloodline of a man. He was virgin born. And he is perfect. Every man, every woman ever born is spiritually dead. I will tease sometimes when I talk about Genesis chapter number 3 and talk about how dumb Adam and Eve were because they hid from God. But you realize they sinned. They could not stand before God. That's why they were hidden. Standing before God in sin would result in death. Think about later on the things that would happen. God can't look upon it. And we'll talk about that later on in the message today. But spiritually speaking, man died that day. And when we come into this world, every person that comes into this world is spiritually dead. We look here and we see, and you have he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. We see letter A, we see their condition, we see our condition. Paul says to his readers here that they were dead. That word dead here literally means a corpse. It's the word used to describe a dead body. 
In this passage, it refers to one devoid of spiritual life. It refers to someone being spiritually dead. It speaks to the fact that lost sinners are absolutely unable to initiate any movement towards God because they're spiritually dead. Think about in John chapter number 4, the woman at the well, Jesus was speaking to her. And he said, they that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. It's the spirit of man that communes with God. And when the spirit is dead, there's no communing with God. Talk more about that and, bring, and help you as we go. When we think of death, all of us have seen, have been around, some, and most of us have anyways, been around someone who's dying and see them at death's door. When a person dies, they're unable to respond to impulses, stimuli, anything, neither are they able to perform functions, whatever. When a body dies, the body's worn out and done. Thank God that that's not where everything ends. Thank God, as we know as believers, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Thank God for the hope that we have, the blessed hope of salvation. But when I understand something, a dead body does not have any power to do anything. When a person dies, their body's reduced to an empty and, and object that possesses no ability. They can't hear anymore. They can't see from that body, think, respond, do any of these things. The body that was once vital and alive has become just an empty shell. And one of the comforting things for me, and everyone's different, and when you lose a loved one or, and these different things, one of the things that does me good, and everyone's different, I'm not saying it's good for everyone, it does me good to see inside the casket. Say, why? Because that's, they're not there anymore. That temporary home is empty. There's no more life there. And praise God for heaven. Praise God that the grave here on earth does not end everything. It's just the beginning. And eternity with the Lord, or the opposite, eternity separated from God and in hell. When a physical body dies, it loses its ability to respond to the physical world. In a spiritual sense, it's the perfect illustration of those who do not know the Lord. Paul says that the lost are dead, and what is death? Death is the opposite of life. John 17, verse number 3, the Bible tells us, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. In other words, those who know the Lord are alive, while well, those who do not know Jesus Christ are not alive. The Bible tells us in 1 John 5, verse number 12, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And Paul says that the lost, they're dead. And what is true about a dead body is also true about those who are dead in sin. The lost are alive to this world. They live in it. They move in it. They love it. They laugh in it. They seek pleasure in it. But they are dead even while they are alive. And they're not dead to the world, but they're dead to God and the things of God. They can't see Him. They can't feel Him. They can't know Him, sense Him, or get to Him on their own. They're devoid of spiritual life. Not everyone believes this about a sinner. Many people believe that the lost have the ability to approach God when they want to and on their own terms, but that's not what the Bible says. 
The Bible's very clear about it. And if a sinner is truly spiritually dead, then they're unable to come to God unless God makes the first move. That's what John chapter 6, verse number 44 and verse 65 tell us. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. And he said, Therefore I say unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. And I know there are a lot of Calvinistic people that love to use those verses and how it all works and all that, but it's talking about the fact that for salvation the Spirit of God convicts us of our need for salvation. I want you to understand the Holy Spirit does that. We have a lot of Christians that try to pray the Holy Spirit. God doesn't need you to do His work. We are messengers. I've been with many a people at, the, at a door talking to someone, and I, I got them to pray. I got them to pray. What does that mean? You got them to pray. The Spirit of God convicts. You give the message. And, and you say, well, I just don't know if I agree with all that. Read the Bible right there. Talk to Jesus about what he said. I'm a firm believer the Spirit of God convicts. It's a six-year-old boy that I was convicted of my need for salvation and responded to the conviction that, Jesus, that the Lord laid on me. He made the first move. He convicted me. And those that are saved, you remember when you got convicted of your need for salvation. There might be someone here this morning that's being convicted by God right now, but because of your pride and because of things you won't give in, make sure that you're saved and get that settled. It's an important thing for you to get all of that settled. The Bible tells us in Romans 5, verse number 12, it says, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon how many men? All men. For that all have sinned. All have sinned. Paul says here in Euthy, quicken who were dead in trespasses and sin. You see, this world just doesn't get it. No, this world doesn't get the things of God. An unsaved person, why do you go to church every week? Why do you give to God? Why do you read your Bible? Why do you sing to God? You know why they don't get it? Because they're dead. Gave the illustration last service. I'm going to use it again. I'm going to use Ryan for a second, and you can give. I did not ask you questions beforehand. I asked you last service. You're giving your own free answers of your free will, and I did not give you what answers to say. Correct? Correct. All right. I might be his boss some of the time, but right now I'm not. Before you got saved, you went to church a few times, right? How, can you tell me how many times? Do you have any clue? As many times as Lori dragged him in. Did he kick and scream any of those times? He did. I don't know if I believe everything Lori says. I believe Ryan a little bit more. We're still working on Lori's salvation. No, I didn't say that. Um, sorry, Lori, I shouldn't have said that. So anytime you went to church before you were saved, did you love the service? Did you love to sing? Did you ever sing? What, what were your feelings when you would sit in church? Your anger? Anger at what? Do you know why? He was dead. He didn't get it. So one day, he comes into church. The Lord brings some circumstances into life. 
convicts him of his need for salvation, and he gets saved the week following. Do you like church today? Do you love to hear your pastor preach? Good answer. I didn't even ask that last service. That wasn't even part of it. Do you, do you love to sing to God? And he can't sing. I've heard him sing. Make the joyful noise. That's Ryan McKee to a T. He might be able to sing a little better than me. I don't know, but the difference. He's saved. The Spirit's alive. Before salvation, the Spirit's dead. It doesn't get the things of God. This world, those in this world, they don't understand what God's all about. They don't, because they're dead to it. I hope that makes sense to you today. And you think about it, I got saved when I was six years old. I was going to church from the second week I was born. I, I liked church as a kid. I didn't really know anything much different. But we can look in the room, how many of you got saved as an adult in the room? Lots of hands. Your feelings for God are different today than what they were before you got saved. Now, if they aren't any different, then I might ask you if you're really saved, and you can figure that out between you and God. You become a new creature, and you're spiritually alive. There's a difference, and praise God for Praise God for that change that takes place. We see that before salvation, we're dead. We see the condition dead. We see letter B, our circumstances. Paul has told us about our condition before salvation, and he talks about now their circumstances. He speaks of the realm in which they live and operate. They may be dead spiritually, but they're very alive physically. And their physical life is described in a couple words. And you have the quicken who are dead in what? Dead in trespasses and sins. These two words are important. I want to explain them to you. The word trespass, this word means to cross a boundary. It refers to a lapse or deviation from truth and righteousness. It has the idea of a slip, a fall, and a stumble, or of going in the wrong direction. It speaks of an attitude that stands in opposition to the things of God. Basically, God draws a line in the sand. God has his rules. He says that mankind's not to go beyond that point. When a sinner steps over that boundary, they're guilty of trespassing. It's same thing if you have a sign in your house, no trespassing, and someone trespasses on your property. They chose, we've chosen to cross God's boundary, and we're in sin, and every sinful act is a transgression against God's word, against his holiness, against his person, and against his glory. That's what trespasses. The word sins comes from a word that means to miss the mark. To miss the mark. It's a hunting term. And uh, in Montana, I did some hunt. Well, okay, I carried my gun through the woods. That's what I did. And uh, that was the best I did. But you would go to the range and you would um, do, have some target practice and shoot. Or, you know, some people use their bow and arrow. And I remember growing up in California, only the, only the, the gangs had guns, I thought. I didn't have a gun growing up out here and I never had shot a gun. You get to Montana, uh, and every sixth grade boy has their own rifle. You know, it's just a part of life up there. If you don't have a gun in your house, you're not, you know, you're not a man. And uh, the craziest thing I ever did was being 20. I, my birthday was off by three months. To, I had to go to a hunter safety class. So I'm 22 years old with a bunch of fifth grade and sixth grade boys and girls <laughs> passing a rifle around and Making sure there's nothing in it. I had to take a hunter safety class with all these little kids. 
I made Caroline take it with me. Thank God she did. That made it a little bit easier. And, uh, but I remember the first time, first time I shot a gun. And uh, hmm, you smell that smell of uh, that gunpowder, just, just, you'll never, I love that smell. But anyways, had a target down the line at the, at, and in Montana, you didn't have to go to, you could just go in the woods somewhere and you find a nice place and you could just do it. Here, you got to go to regulated places and all that good stuff. Well, I, target's right down there. And I had, someone gave me their 30 6 to shoot because that's, that was a beast of a gun. But this is the thing. He had a low caliber bullet that he used. So he got up there and boom, hit the target perfect. He put the heaviest weight grain in the thing for me. He put a heavier. So I got on my shoulder and I'm like this. And it did not kick back on him. And I always heard guns kick a little bit, but I'm like, this guy's a, you know, this guy probably weighed 150 pounds. I weigh a lot more, but it's all muscle because muscle weighs more than fat. If it was fat, I, would, I don't know what would happen. But I had it all set, and man, that thing kicked. I mean, I think, my, I think I'm still bruised on the inside 13 years later from how that thing kicked. I missed the target completely, completely. I remember the first time I ever shot a handgun. You think a little handgun, you think, oh, this is child's play, very easy. It takes a lot of work to be accurate with those things. And the first time, I missed the target. When we, that's where the word sin comes from. And when you think about this, and when we talk about when applied to the sinner, it pictures the sinner falling short of and completely missing. God's missing what? God's standard of perfection. God's standard of holiness. And it's the most common word used in the New Testament is sin when it comes to these things. And it's used 179 or 173, 173 times. If you doubt me, you can go count them all and let me know if I was wrong. But Paul usually said, and you have to be quickened who are what? dead and what? Dead in trespasses and sins. Paul does not use these two words to describe two different types of sinful activity. He uses them to emphasize the great, the great breadth of sinfulness of those who are spiritually dead. What he's talking about here is he's talking here is man's condition and man's response to that condition. These words do not describe individual acts of sin. They describe the very sphere in which the lost sinner finds himself. Think about this. In the lost condition, the sinner proves he's a sinner by the things he does. Man manifests his sinfulness through sinful deeds. Let me break it down a little further. Let's see if this will help. A man does not become a liar because he lies. He lies because he is a liar. A person doesn't, you think about it this way, a person does not become a murderer because he kills. He kills because he's already a murderer in his heart. A person doesn't become a thief because he steals. He steals because he's already a thief in his heart. And the same could be true about every other sin you could mention. You see, people are not born with the ability to choose between good and evil or between God and the world. According to the Bible, people are born into this life bound in sin. That's what, what David was talking about in Psalm 51. He said, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. And every person that enters this world is the enemy of God. A lot of Christians and a lot of people don't like to hear that. I hear a lot of Christians and I hear a lot of people, we're all the children of God. Well, look what the Bible says in Romans 8, verse number 7. Because the carnal mind 
is enmity against God. For is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Enmity at odds with, against. Before salvation, we are the enemy of God. We go against God. The carnal mind, that's before salvation. And so what happens is and what takes place, let me give you a few other verses. Let me tell you what Jesus had to say. Matthew 12, verse 34 and 35. O generation of vipers, how can ye being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh, and a good man out of a good treasure the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. He also said in Matthew 15, it says, But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts, murderers, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemy. That's what Jesus says here. All sinners are dead. And when you are, look at the things. We look at our world today. We say, hey, if we take guns out of the picture, we'll stop the killings that take place. It's not going to stop anything because the heart of man is the problem. They will still find something else. They'll use a knife then. So we take the knife away. And we take all these things away. No, the heart is what's messed up. The heart is where proceeds the evil thoughts. All these different things come from the heart. That's the problem we have in our world today. We have a heart problem. And we have a bunch of people that are dead in their trespasses and in their sins. We look at these things and as we study these things, because man's a sinner, man is separated from God. Isaiah 59, verse number 2, the Bible says, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. The Bible also tells us in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We see number one this morning, we see before salvation, we were lost. We were dead. When we're lost, we're dead. There are many people in this world today that think that life is all fine and everything else, and they are dead to the things of God. That's where it all begins. Number two, and lastly this morning, we see before salvation, we are deceived. You look there, it says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Look at verse two. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. You see how it says there at the end of the verse, and I didn't even get into this last service, but the Spirit that now worketh. You see, when the Holy Spirit's inside of you and your spirit is alive, that's why when the Bible says greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world, the Holy Spirit, you can get some victory in your life. You see, aside from that, what you see right here, see the fact that when, we're, when we are lost, we're dead. Spiritually, we're dead. And the Spirit, we see here at the end of the verse, that now worketh in the children of disobedience, all these things. I want to tie this all together, and we'll be done here in just a few minutes. We see, how are we deceived? Letter A, by the progression of this world. Where in time past he walked according to the course of this world. I want to break down those words for you right there real quick. The word walk, to make one's way, to conduct one's life. 
to regulate one's life, to pass on, or refers to the way a person lives their life. The Bible says, wherein time passed, ye walked according, what does it say, to the course of this world. The word course is a um, period of time, an age. It's the same word that's translated ages and forever. In many other passages, it refers to an enormous amount of time. The word world here is not talking about the trees and everything. It's talking about the system of this world. It's, uh, the word cosmos is where it comes from. That word gives us our English word cosmic or cosmopolitan. And it's not speaking of the earth, but it's the world system, the way this world operates. And the Bible says, where in time passed before you were saved, our lives were centered around the, the way this world works. Why do you think today so many people just don't get it? Why can so many people stand up and say that abortion is okay? They're dead. They've been deceived. They're walking according to the course of this world. They don't understand what this book has to say. Why do people do the things that they do and excuse what they do? They're dead. They don't get it. You see, as we look at these things, sin is all around us. Sin becomes more and more tolerated by this world. Go back to the 1950s and 1960s and tell me if homosexuality was accepted like it is today. Any of you around in the 1950s, 60s, even 70s? Was homosexuality allowed and accepted like it was today? No, back then you were in a closet, pretty much. Did they have all gender bathrooms? Did they give you a choice on your license? If you could be non-binary, you could have a choice what you are? No. But this world around us is getting worse and worse and more sinful. That's the idea here. Because it's the course of this world. Drugs are worse today. Pornography, drunkenness, adultery, all these things. But most people bat an eye to sin anymore. It used to be a bad thing to have a baby before you were married. A shameful thing. And today, everybody's doing it. Doesn't make it right. But that's the course of this world. Things are getting worse and worse in before us. The lost are deceived by the progression of this world. It says there, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world. Look at this, according to the prince of the uh, according to the prince of the power of the air. The course of this world is directed and dictated by Satan himself. He literally choreographs the thinking, the desires, and lifestyle of the lost. He is that spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. He's called, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 4, he's called the God of this world. I love it's a small g, shouldn't be a big g. And whom the God of this world, look what he's done, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine unto them. 
He's deceived them. They're blinded to it. And as Christians, we get so frustrated and so upset. I heard there was a bill just passed this last week here in Washington. Not in Washington, here in California, sorry. And uh, it's going to be going to the governor's desk before too long. Talking about a preacher's talking out against homosexuality. And uh, I got the whole thing on my phone. Someone sent it to me. And uh, I still got to figure out the rest of the details to it. But this world's blinded to the truth. But we get so mad. How dare they take our rights away as Christians? They don't get it. The only hope they have of getting it is giving them this book. And there are far too many Christians who complain about how wicked this world is, and yet you never witness and do nothing for the cause of Christ. You have nothing to complain about because the only hope that mankind has is Jesus Christ. And people are wicked. They are wicked. They're going to continue to be wicked, and they're going to get more wicked by everything going on around us. They walk according to the course of this world. They've been deceived by the prince of this world. It's when uh, in our song, the was blind, but now I see. It makes so much more sense when you get saved. And our hope today in this world is Jesus Christ. I'm not going to go much further today, but you look there at the end of verse number two, it says, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. That word worketh there has the idea of an ongoing work. As if like Satan never lets up in his efforts to keep sinners committed to their sins. I want you to understand something. This book's stronger than the devil. It is. Oh, it is. He did his best to keep you from getting the message. Oh, but God's word can get through anything Satan does. You see, this world likes to think they know what they're doing. But at the end of the day, the Bible tells us in James chapter 1, verse number 14 and 15, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. The word conceived in that verse means to seize, to take one as prisoner. When the lust that dwells within us by nature is energized by Satan and focused on sin, the result is bondage to sin. And the end of slavery and bondage to sin is judgment and death. Before salvation, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Before salvation, we walked according to the course of this world. Things of God didn't make sense to us. We're following Satan and his lies. Verse 3 is what we're going to carry on with next week, but I want you to skip down to verse number 4 for a second, and I'm going to close with this. But God... Oh yeah, before salvation, we're dead in our trespasses and sins. We walk according to the course of this world, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that are working, the children of disobedience. Verse number three, look at, look at the other things we're going to look at next week. Among whom also we had our conversation in times past, in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and we're by nature the children of wrath, not the children of God, children of wrath, even as others, but God. 
but God. Thank God for God. Read the rest of that verse. Who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. Wait till I explain all of that to you when we get there. Even when we were dead. Think about that. I'll just give, it's going to be good when we get there in a couple weeks. I want to leave you with the thought, thank God for salvation. We're dead. We have no hope. But Jesus brought us hope. If you're sitting here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you're dead. You are. You're dead in your sin. You might be breathing, you might be walking, you might be talking, but spiritually speaking, you're dead. The only hope you have is Jesus Christ. And in the book of Revelation, Jesus writes a letter through John to the church at Ephesus. And God got after the church at Ephesus because he told them, you've left your first love. What was one of the ways, one of the main ways to get back to God and to get back to their first love? John told them and Jesus told them to remember from whence thou art fallen. It does us good, Christian, to remember that we're dead in our sins. We were in our trespasses and sins. We walked according to the course of this world. We didn't follow God and his things. But thank God that he came to us, convicted us, saved us, and where we are today. And if you're here not saved, let today be the day you get saved. If you're here today and you just need to get closer to God, remember what he's done for you. Father, we thank you.